0: The Fix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 234 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up. In a very, very humble opinion. Today, we are talking to directors John C. Lyons and Dorota Chuvienz. They are the team behind the fantastic fracking horror story on Earth. Fracking horror story. Dirty minds get out the gutter. Fracking as in digging down into the ground. It is a really cool, cool film. And John and Dorota came on and chatted all about their journey. They both edited the film. John co-wrote it and they both produced it. You're going to love today's episode because John and Dorota are real indie filmmakers. Getting their hands dirty and getting down in the dirt and the earth. Literally, literally cracking horror story to uh, <laughs> to deliver this great movie themselves you'll find out why in a bit they talk about how they started and about their first film schism which uh, they made by borrowing cameras uh, and they shot it over 55 days but not consecutively with about six people and they talk about their second feature there are no goodbyes which they made for zero budget they also talk about how they raised money on kickstarter then they made a proof of concept and then they made their feature. They talk about making sacrifices, having to learn the business of film, pitching to investors, why they use practical effects and why you should think about the budget and always do a background check on your crew. All that is coming up for you. You're gonna learn so much from this app. Yeah, how is everyone? Are you well? Did you go out and do something last week to make your film, to make it possible? Did you speak to an investor? Did you write your pitch deck? Did you write more of your script? What did you do? I hope you did something, and really do. If you did, congratulations, well done. I hope it's moving forward for you. If you didn't, why the fuck not? Get on it this week. Do it. Come on, man. You wanna make films? Let's do it. Let's do it together. Uh, so be inspired. You can't help but be inspired by this week's set Like you couldn't from last week. With Wyatt Rockefeller and Julie Fabrizio talking about Settlers. Their debut movie. they have Johnny Lee Miller and Sophie Batella in it. Jeez, you can do it too. Uh, Listen to that episode, by the way. It's brilliant last week. Obviously, after you've listened to this week's ep. Uh, Some news. The Dare, my debut feature, has just been released. By the way, I shot this in 2016. (laughs) Has just been released in Germany and in France on Blu-ray. And I, this week, have been putting together the behind the scenes and editing the commentary that myself and Andy Roger, DOP, did and Julian Kostoff and Bart Edwards and Johnny Grant did like about, I don't know, a year ago. I've been editing those together and an alternative ending, an alternative beginning to the day, which will be on the DVD slash Blu-ray, which will be released in America. And Canada very soon. How exciting! It's only fucking five years later. That's filmmaking kids, that is filmmaking. Thank you all for your emails and suggestions for a crew on Three Day Millionaire, which we are shooting in September. It's a comedy set around trawler fishermen. It is brilliant. So thank you for all your emails and applications for that. Decisions are gonna be made in the next coming days because we're all going up to Grimsley to make a movie. Exciting. Exciting. Uh, if you didn't hear that, listen to last week's episode. You might just get there in time. We're still searching for some certain crew members. So, uh, shout outs this week go to Diane Knight, Adam Murphy, John Ginge Moore, Sean E. Evans, and Fizz and Ginger because their book is out. It's amazing. They have a book out called full to the brim with fizz ginger and fierce determination it's a book about indie filmmaking these guys are part of the podcast link is in the show notes go support go buy it not only should you buy it to support but because it's brilliant it's so insightful into filmmaking you'll learn tons and patreon our patreon we have a new bonus episode on our patreon right now with even more in-depth information if you're not part of our patreon club you're missing out there is loads on there and uh, more tip bits, more advice, more filmmaking stuff, interviews with me, ignore that. But there's full, really cool interviews on there. Get yourself there. Uh, filmmakers Podcast forward slash Patreon. Come and support us. We do this for now, so come and support us. Link is in the show notes to that. Shout outs to our top two Patreons, as always Marley J. Munro and kevin piebus come and join us gang thank you for all those new patrons who have signed up already you're amazing you're already getting that super super cool bonus information remember if you do like this tell your pals that's how we grow and if you're feeling very kind go on itunes slash apple and give us a lovely five star review why not why not right let's get to it our episode with john c lions and dorota she talking about their journey, filmmaking, and their ace new film *Unearth*, which is out now. Here it is. Enjoy. Hey, hey, hey. How are you both? It's a delight to have you on the Filmmakers Podcast. Thank you for joining us. You well? Yeah,
1: thank you for having time to
0: talk to us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. On a pleasure. the
1: Sunday.
0: Yeah, it's a Sunday, isn't it? I know. It's yeah. strange. I was just playing chess with my dad and I went, I've got to go, dad. I've got to go. We were literally having probably the best game we'd had for ages. It was like we were both battling. It was very nice. It's a good way to connect, especially online, you know, with Zoom these days and not being able to see him. So I started to play chess in lockdown. It's been really, really pleasant, pleasant way to connect. Um, have you guys been, what is it morning where you are? Because it's, it's 7 p.m. here. What about so? you? Tell our listeners where you are. It's two two in the afternoon here. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Where about the so, New York based We're we're
2: East Coast. We're in a, a city called Erie, which is uh, by Lake Erie.
0: Is it a good place to get filming done there? Is there a lot of stuff that happens in that area? Tell me about the area, Dorota. What's it? Are you both there? You take it? You're both there?
1: Uh, well, I'm not from Erie PA, but um, we did film in Erie PA. And um, of course, um, this place, it's not really film oriented yet. I know that it's work in progress to have it more suited for the film productions. I know there is a film office which is very active and pursuing, which I'm sure John can talk more more about it. And yeah, there are some issues to pre- to start film productions, as you know, every indie filmmaker has some issues, and there is budget limitations and there is crew limitations. So we had that kind of situation when we start filming this film. So.
0: Yeah, well, you must do because you know when it is a kind of a small town. I take it Erie is quite a small town. It's mu- it's difficult to find crew members, or you know, you've got to bring them in from outside. Is that what you guys did then? And I mean, you are you, you obviously you're not from there, Dorota originally, as you mentioned. But it is a kind of a thriving community? You're making shorts there. What's happening?
2: Yeah, it's uh, we're, we kind of served as the guinea pigs, uh, really, Giles, as far as. <laughs> with unearth, we wanted to test the waters to see if somebody could shoot, you know, a sub million dollar, you know, movie with professional casting yeah. crew, um, in our little corner of the world. Uh, and, and we pulled it off, but yeah, to Dorota's what Durota's saying. Yeah. We're, we're definitely building a new industry here in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, it's very green. So, the cool things about Erie is where our location is right on a lake which you know can double as an ocean so we have beaches and waterfront and then mm-hmm. our four seasons here are all very intense there's very snowy winters very rainy oh springs the fall is beautiful the summer is super hot uh and we filmed on earth
0: in in the uh sweaty part of, of August, uh, which is the challenge, of course. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? I think it, everyone says, oh, I want to film summer. And then you film summer and it's too hot and you say, oh, no, next time I'm going to film winter. I want it to be cool and have snow everywhere. And you go, it was way too cold. <laughs> so it's that, you want that fine balance, don't you? Of that spring into summer, right? I mean, that's kind of the sweet spot.
2: Yeah. That's the, uh, you know, the thing you get with independent filmmaking, right, is, uh, you have to be able to adapt. All the time, constantly. And yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, there's always challenges and uh, you want the weather to be a little different or you wrote a scene a little different. Or maybe mm-hmm. a scene was was a daytime scene and you're ending up shooting it at night uh, you know, or the location <laughs> changes like we um, we our film takes place uh, between two neighboring farms. And we had locations, but we lost one of them um, at the last minute. And the farms are supposed to be right across the road from each other and very isolated. So we were in a mad dash just a couple months uh, before production uh, to find new locations. So, wow. yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of challenges, right?
0: Totally. I think I think that's that's just filmmaking. Indie filmmaking is... I say this a lot, it's just compromise after compromise, you know, and in the end you compromise those compromises because how else are you gonna get it done? No one knows that when you put your film out and it's get reviewed and all this sort of stuff. They don't know what you've gone through. They don't care either. They put it next to the latest, you know, Marvel movie and you just have to accept it and go. That's what you're gonna get, you know. If you're gonna be an indie filmmaker, you just gotta hope that you, those compromises aren't too much. Did you start making shorts together? Is that something that you, you know, from your time at college together? Did you start making shorts there or making anything there together? How did it work?
1: Uh, yeah, we started working uh, like uh, after the college was done. I mean, uh, that then I decided to stay stay in the United States, and we start working on little project like this practicing basically because we are not after film school so of course we need to practice and realize what we're getting into before Mm -hmm. starting something bigger because we Mm -hmm. don't have that experience and we don't have that uh, um, network or being even even privileged of finishing film school so we had to start basically from zero and just build our own let's say portfolio or some kind of experience to be able to Move to larger projects, and our friends were filming too, so we were helping, camera work and uh, other things. And
0: yeah, and I think you do, don't you? You do all help each other, and uh, you sort of you ha- those people who rise to the top. Those people, you can see who really wants to do this, or at least attempt to do this as a career. Because, like you say, if you do live in the middle of nowhere, it's really, really hard to do it as a career. It's like how do you even start? You know, you can't afford the equipment for one. If mean, you can maybe borrow it from the college, but that doesn't last for very long because once you've left, they're like, no, I need it for the other students. Or if you break it, you know, it's really difficult.
2: Yeah. So we, d- it was just a lot of practice. It was shorts. Um, we did a couple, you know, zero budget features. Um, yeah, all in, Oh, what would you say Jeroda, maybe like 10 or 10 or 15 years probably of, you know, practice essentially before, um, we were like, you know, in kicks and on Earth started as a much lower budget. Uh, not that our budget was large by any means, but a much lower budget, uh, project on Kickstarter. And it was just because, you know, uh, there were like, 275 people across the world that contributed Mm -hmm. to that Kickstarter. And we got 150% of our goal that we were kind of like, okay, maybe this is the one that we try and raise more money. Let's use this Kickstarter to do a proof of concept. And let's see if we can attract more talent and a professional casting crew. And that's how we kind of took that next step
0: That's incredible. I really like that. I I like the get up and go. And I I also like that you glossed over the fact that you made two (laughs) indie films before this. Just, oh, yeah. And then we just made a couple of indie films. Um, (laughs) And I was like, look, we need to talk about those because we just do. This is what, we, you know, the Filmmakers Podcast is all about getting that first one done. And then obviously, I I actually love the film. I thought it had so much oh, heart and it looked like a big budget movie, it really looked like you thought about the shots, the angles, the, the care behind it all was really well done. We'll come back to it because I think, you know, people want to know, want to know how you got there because that's that's the big thing. How did you get to it? How did you raise the money? How did we get through it? So Schism, I take it was your first feature, is that right, that you did? The, yeah, I, Schism. Schism. Yep. Schism. And then that's it. I take it. The second one was, uh, there are no goodbyes. There Correct. No goodbyes. Let's, let's talk about them. Just, you can do it briefly as you like, and you can ignore them as much as you like, but it's still good to mention that you did these and that that was what you learned from it, that you brought into unearth. So let's talk about the first one. Uh, schism first. How did you manage to raise funds? How did you go about it? I take it was very low budget. very low budget schism
2: (laughs) schism was uh so we had purchased our dvx 100 for a short called hunting camp we did two shorts hunting Mm -hmm. camp bogo um and those were kind of building up getting used to that camera and the workflow, yeah. you know, the workflow, a whole other challenge compared to, you know, now with just plug in a card and it's all digital, right? Amazing like you got to read in, read in yeah. the digital tapes and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, schism was, i uh, was a very personal story. Um, I wrote schism as well. My father was suffering from Alzheimer's uh, dementia and the story is at that point, we hadn't seen any stories that were from the point of view of the afflicted, usually in Alzheimer's stories before, and this was 2006. Usually you'd seen stories from the point of view of the family and how that affected them. We wanted to show the experience, like get in the headspace. Of the person with the disease, and this was a challenging shoot because you know we could not build a long-term care facility on a zero budget, right? Yeah. So of we had to find a um, assisted living facility, long care facility that would allow us to film there. So if you can imagine, you can't shut it down. So we had to get permission from the families Mm -hmm. um, of all the residents to be able to film there. And we blurred the lines between documentary and fictional narrative because the families would say yes or no to, yes, I would love to have my loved one be an extra in this scene Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So we would have a mix of our actors and we filmed for... (laughs) What was it maybe like 50 days or something to wrote over the course of zero. a year. Wow. 50 oh. 55.
0: 55 days, my gosh,
2: over the course of a year, um, right. we would just go there when we could, when actors were available, when crew was available, our crew was at most, I think six people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really had two people of crew. We have boom guy and light guy. And then John and I, that's our, our crew.
0: And we have makeup also. Yeah, and makeup also. How And obviously finding actors from that area must have been tricky too, right? I mean, sometimes you're just getting friends of friends of friends who fancy it and they're not necessarily actor trained. must be difficult too. You've made a feature film, the two of you, you know, and that is a big thing. People sometimes can overlook that as their first one or something. Maybe you didn't, maybe you did, but people do. And I think it's a huge achievement from anyone in any walk of life, whether you're ridiculously rich and you've got parents in the industry or it's the totally opposite and you live in the middle of nowhere both are a huge challenge obviously one's harder than the other but at the same time to still you're under pressure you're under enormous stress and pressure and i think it's a huge achievement it's really good. Did that lead then you on to go right? Let's do. There are no goodbyes. Let's make our second movie because it wasn't long after, by the looks of it, that you did go on to make that, which is a sci-fi drama, as well. So again, you were like, right, let's push the boundaries straight away. Was that was that the plan?
2: Which Dorothea always will challenge me with of you know like <laughs> writing
0: something that's you know a bit beyond. But yeah, let Yeah, right? let's have a hot air balloon in it. <laughs> Yeah, let's have elephants, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) They're all in space, even better.
2: It. But with this one, I, which, which I'm sure Dorota is going to jump in on, Dorota and I for the second one purposefully became the whole crew. We were um, you know, oh. operating camera, running sound ourselves, and it was very intimate. We filmed it very intimate.
1: Oh, uh, Yeah, it was a very uh, small production, I would say. We had the story between two young people meeting and falling in love. So obviously, yes, it was kind of a bit different than Skizen. Mm-hmm. And also zero budget and small crew and basically learning projects, just something to learn how to make it and we had Panasonic camera again that was the time when we did not have the- digital film um, equipment like we have those days, and everyone was laughing at us, saying, "Why are you film?" you know it's the real film it's on the film 16 or 35 and this is not a real deal so they're basically laughing at us and now they're shooting everything digital so it's kind of yeah well they
0: can laugh but at the end of the day you made another feature film you know and did they go on to make another feature film maybe they did maybe they were you know steven soderbergh who knows but probably not and the fact is you did and then that obviously it's e- it's not easier but it does become slightly easier when you bring in on cast for Unearth to go we have made features before they understand and for me as a producer my producer head-on i'd much prefer to work with a director producer writer team who have made a feature before even if that feature is terrible it doesn't matter it they've gone through the heartache and the pain and the difficulty of getting a feature finished and out there in the world it's a huge thing yeah i'd say it really is so it's you know hats off to you for doing it and the fact is you two did this just the two of you is pretty impressive was that and was that just out of necessity was that just kind of like look let's just go on with and obviously you had your cast as well some of these casts are great as well so was that just a kind of necessity again let's just get on with it let's just shoot ourselves how come you didn't bring others on?
1: Well, because there's no budget and there was just, uh, right? And there was no, we are in the middle of nowhere, so people have regular jobs. They don't really make movies for a living. So it's, again, hard to get someone who is, will be interested working for free and with some kind of experience and equipment. We didn't have any equipment either to either rent or buy. So it's like, why we need people if we don't have nothing to operate?
2: Yeah, we kind of did in the opposite order of like, you know, it, just looking at it on paper, there are no good buys, probably should have been like our first feature because, you know, it's just the two of us just using, mo- I mean, mostly for like probably 90% natural lighting, you know, it, the scheduling was tighter and, and things like that. And it was just kind of like, shooting with the locations and, you know, accessories and things that you have and kind of building the project around that. So, (laughs) whereas then we, you know, it would have seemed to have been the next logical step to then go to schism, which would have Mm -hmm. seemed bigger than that filming in a very difficult environment with tons of extras. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess maybe, you know, because schism was, I'm I'm trying to think back now, um, but maybe because schism was such a link, the you know, kind of challenge in its own right. We were kind of like, let's just scale down, do do something intimate that still, of course, has a sci-fi bent to it. And I will mention, <laughs> Droda and I, uh, we had some vacations, you know, that were coming up between shooting. Like we went to Poland and the Czech Republic and Ireland. So of course we tied all of that into like the sci-fi elements of the story and film there as well. So
0: Of course, if you're going on holiday, the two of you, you're like, well, why don't we just shoot? There, yeah, absolutely. I love that. How did you work that with the actors then, or was it a case of you just shot other footage there? Dorota got to be an actress,
1: yeah. Oh. I, was, I was the
0: actor
1: <laughs> on I the cliff of the mother,
0: mother cliff, the what are they called? Cliffs of Moor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Ellen Ireland Okay, wow, wow. So, therefore, you were like, Well, look, we might as well shoot you traveling and going around. I love that, but that's how indie films should be made when you're starting out or trying to make movies. Why not? Why it not gave us scale.
2: It gave us pretty epic scale. Yeah, yeah I
0: bet. Yeah. And what did you learn from those two films? Then you know, moving forward into unearth, was was looking back now, what what did you gain from that whole experience to go right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I think you learn
2: one thing is that. Um And this is no disrespect to anybody that worked with us. Like you have to be a certain level of crazy to work on films and kind of sacrifice so much time and so much effort that really no one quite understands until they're there on set. Right. Giles. So it's kind of like, what we learned is that no one's going to love your baby, like as much as you, um, mm-hmm. even, even if you're paying them, you know, to <laughs> kind of a little bit. But yeah, it's like, it's only really going to make it as far, you know, not to put like all on the indie filmmakers shoulders, but really to put all on the indie filmmakers shoulders It's it's only going to go as far as you have that stamina, and the, you know, as as far as your shoulders can can hold that burden you got to like drag it across the finish line i think it's probably what i learned to it.
1: Uh, yeah uh, yeah similarly you know you you need to be really um, desperate and determined to have that um, finish line in mind to have it done and understand that working with different people require to be more flexible and understand the uh, living people and they have their characters. And I know the actors are very sensitive souls, they appear like very high confidence, but the downside are very fragile and very mm. um, sensitive to any kind of critics. So you have to be wor- have to be very careful working with actors, because they are very delicate souls. <laughs>
0: I totally agree. And it was good that you got to be an actor, you know, for a while. And I think that it does make a big difference. I think you learn so much you know, as an actor for years, and you realize how to directors should talk to actors or they don't be scared of them and what they need and wants and every actor is different and it's so important you're absolutely right uh dorota it's really important really is and just to to get your head around that um as, as quickly as you can which brings us nicely onto unearthed john would you like to tell us what it's about and i can play the trailer and uh, then we can dive into it.
2: Yeah, of course, Uh, Unearth is a story about two struggling neighboring farm families. Uh, One day they get a knock on the door and the opportunity to turn their lives around by leasing their land to a natural gas company. Uh, One of the families agrees to, the other does not. This fractures the relationship between the two. And as the land is drilled, Not only uh, is the water contaminated at the two families, but something else unexpected is released and things go downhill. God help us if we get another week yield this season.
0: I got you all finished up.
1: I can do $50 cash. Got a family. I don't think you guys are
2: seeing the full picture. Catherine, you got a highway at the back of your field. Where's your dairy business? Telling you, we gotta go big. We gotta get out. Eddie Drake, Patriot Exploration. Not interested. We could pay up to twelve hundred dollars an acre. The world is leaving us behind. I know you had a visit. You make the decisions that's best for your family. I'll make the decisions that's best for mine. Does that sound like something you might be interested in?
0: Jesus, Dad, wake up! I
2: think I just just close my eyes for a second.
1: Look.
0: it's so great it really is a really interesting angle you've taken on the whole fracking thing which is obviously a big thing uh, and it still is but I imagine when you first started coming up with the idea it was even bigger fracking was huge and you like say you mentioned before but you started to work on this in probably 2015 2016 and this was the first time that you Directed together, um, what? How did that conversation come about? Why was it? Why was it a case of let's do this together? What was? Um, what was the thoughts behind this?
1: I think that was one of the producer's uh, idea, saying, "Why, the it's not director. She's doing her work already." Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, why, why not? I'm just doing what I've always been doing. So credit, sure. <laughs> they give me some more stable ground under my feet saying, okay, I'm entitled to do certain things on the set or have my own um, voice a little bit louder than and, and being kind of officially made person, what I was always pretty doing on the smaller scale. And besides that, the, the subject was kind of important. I thought that female-centric uh, drama, why not? I think I can be more engaged, engaged with that than just with regular productions we had in the
0: past. So that's really interesting. How is it for you then, John? Because obviously you directed on your own before and then to have, even though uh, Dorota was always on your shoulder anyway with thoughts and comments, how was that then to be, okay, we're doing this together? Just, it's really interesting, I think, to know, because I, I don't know how I'd be now if I was to direct with someone else.
2: Yeah, it was really just to kind of make it official and um You know to what you were saying too we also uh because of the themes of the story and having it be so female-centric um it, it was bringing kelsey goldberg on then the last it was about the last year year and a half of working on the polishing of the script that it was really important to make sure that you know, I wasn't that guy that was writing all these female voices and potentially getting it wrong. That would have been a yeah. huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Kelsey coming in and making, making everything right. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of getting all of that solidified. And it was just, I mean, DeRod has always, always been there. Like, you, you know, you've heard us, you know, talk about our, our previous film. So it was really, you know, Dorota was, was ready to, to step up and, you know, really excited to work with Una Lee, our DP mm, yeah. um, and work on, you know, selecting the the lenses and the camera and all of that. I mean, she, you know, whether, you know, she had the title before or not, she's just always been like a producer, director, cinematographer, all of those things. So it was, it was really, just making that official i think
0: nice yeah that's lovely it's a good way to do it let's talk about how you did it then how did you raise the money you mentioned earlier you went on kickstarter and started to uh, see if that could work and you raised over 150 percent. what was the choice to go on kickstarter why do it that way was there no other choices for money think, if you can jump back for us obviously it's 2015 2016 what was your thought process at that point of going how can we raise money for this
2: for us, it was like yeah stepping up from zero dollars to you know hey, let's set a modest goal of fifteen thousand dollars on Kickstarter and let's see if we can raise fifteen thousand dollars yeah and uh, we could and we raised actually a hundred percent after. Man, I can't remember, Gerardo, was it on the first day or the fifth day or something? It was definitely within the first week we had reached our goal. Why
0: why do you think that was? (laughs) What was it that you were doing that was, you know, that was so appealing for people to go, yeah, here's some money. (laughs) I think honestly,
2: and it's why we put on the poster too, it's a fracking horror story. Like that combination of fracking and horror When, you know, that's the shortest pitch for the movie on earth, like you just say it's a fracking horror movie, you instantly get a response, right? And since our world is so political, you either get a response of like, fuck, yeah, why haven't we seen that movie yet? Or you get Mm -hmm. a response of like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So putting um, that title in the Kickstarter, I think, automatically got us eyeballs um, you know, unearth a fracking horror film or something like that is what the, the title of the Kickstarter was. And like I said, I originally had just opened it up to US and Canada to be able to contribute to the Kickstarter, but we actually got people from the UK, from France, from mm-hmm. Spain, like all over the place message mm. us and say, why aren't you guys accepting uh, money contributions? From us. And then yeah. I was
0: like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> so then I we opened that. it up
2: more and- It's
0: like you made like a secret club. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> you can't. This is just for us guys. And oh, you want it? Oh, all right then, we'll let you in. It was really a lack, confi- like, honestly, yeah, like a lack of confidence. Were- like honestly, like a lack of confidence. Of like, <laughs> let's see if we can do
2: fifteen thousand. Maybe we'll get there. And mm-hmm. then like, oh, other other people outside the U.S. care about this subject. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a big thing in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, and did you? Were you doing anything specific? Like, we did you have a plan? Were you emailing everyone? Were you t- uh, d- uh, social media s- style at that point? I think Twitter was around then. Yes. Um, yes. Facebook. Were you doing all that kind of world? Were you really pushing?
2: Yeah. The thing with uh, so I took a lot of I sat on in on a lot of like seminars and and workshops mm. and things months ahead of time, and really that would be the advice I would say is kind of like you know you need to build your audience and be familiar with your audience before you start production on your film. I think it's equally as important before you do crowdfunding because we've all seen those friends who just out of the blue you'll see them post a couple times a week, "Hey, contribute to my mm-hmm. GoFundMe or my mm-hmm. Kickstarter or whatever and it and then I'll check back in a couple weeks and Yeah, man, you got like your mom and your uncle that contributed, but nobody else, right? Like you can't do it like that. (laughs) So there used to be, and I don't know if you can anymore, but there used to be a hack for Facebook where you could download all of your friends' email addresses.
0: Oh, wow. I I don't know know if you can,
2: I think they, they stopped that. I'm
0: not surprised. (laughs) Yeah,
2: but I, I was able to download all of my friends on Facebook email addresses. And so like a month and then a week, and then the day of I emailed everyone and said, Hey, I have a new movie coming out. It's going to be on Kickstarter. You know, it's very important to get as much of your goal as possible in the first mm-hmm. 24 hours because yes. that you know the cream
0: rises it takes you to the top of the, yeah, uh, the whole algorithms yeah, and, and that, all that yeah. stuff
2: and then we were chosen as a project that we love i think is what kickstarter mm-hmm. calls them now and then indie wire had us as their project of the week or something like amazing.
0: that amazing wow
2: yeah so that's, that's-
0: being and that was prepared. just all based, yeah, that was being prepared, but that was just based off the concept then, I suppose. So there's already quite a fan base for it. Great. Well done. That's an amazing achievement. But you can't have made the film for 22, 23 grand. Could you? We did, we,
2: did, we, I mean, we had planned to, but then Dorota and I talked, and, you know, we got on like author Chuck Polnick's radar. He tweeted mm-hmm. about us, He's giving given mm-hmm. another shout out to Twitter. <laughs> um, and then Mark Blucas and Allison McAtee, mm-hmm. we got on their radars, and they are originally from Erie, Pennsylvania themselves.
0: Oh, nice.
2: Brilliant. And so then it kind of turned into, Okay, let's take these funds. Let's let in another key with crowdfunding yes. is always keep your people informed regularly. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. like on Kickstarter when you don't, you, somebody makes the film, you see it come out on Amazon Prime and they still haven't even messaged like
0: their contributors <laughs> the and you you're like, money. what the hell, yeah. guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: totally. Yeah. So, always, so we were always communicating, hey, this is what we're thinking. We're thinking of you know, making a better film than you bought into by using this money, making a proof of concept, and then going and approaching investors uh, to, you know, to raise the overall budget. And people were really excited about that idea and they were excited about like having Mark and Allison come on board. Well, so they came on board for the
0: proof of concept then. For the proof of concept, yep.
2: And that kind Brilliant. of became part of our marketing too, right, throughout is we you know, we said, okay, we're going to, because they're like, Dorota mentioned there's the greater Erie film office and there's the film society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. And we kind of told them, we'll be the Guinea pigs. We will try and raise investment locally. We'll shoot this proof of concept. We're going to bring talent home. And that's how Mm -hmm. we're going to market this and hire local. And let's see if we can kind of make this a calling card for Erie that people can do this in Erie.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. And what did they, obviously they said, yeah, let's go for that, Dorota. What was their response when you sat and talked to them about this?
1: Um, I think that I I love the idea. I mean, um, I know that Mark was more, uh, he gave a couple helpful tips uh, about the budget and do not go too crazy because, you know, it's indie productions and you have to sell it later in order to give back to your investors. So you cannot get too carried away with your request as far as the budget um, size so amount. And so yeah, it was very helpful to get those two on board because uh, they had more experience and Mark was really helpful as a producer. And he gave us his wisdom <laughs> so we could learn more from him.
0: And yeah. How did you manage to raise that extra bit of cash then? And because, you know, now we're talking quite a bit because I, I don't know how much you made it for but it looks like it's a nice big budget and you that's testament to you two and the whole team uh, and the un ali as well your cinematographer i hope i pronounced that right but i think that that's really testament but how did you go about it did you do a pack did you do an information memorandum they're called in the uk you know where you're saying how much money you're going to get back how this is going to work did you do all that was it a full-on deck and pack that you put together
2: yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> it yeah, tell was us a lot of work. It. it was so much work. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Everything you're, you're saying is right. Really. And this is looking, looking back to it, Dorota, I think really the most important decision for us was doing that proof of concept, honestly, Giles, because mm. approaching people in an in an area that have never invested in a film before, there is a lot of education that comes with that and being able to just show them, um, you know, we shot the proof of concept on like a Red Dragon 6K nice, and nice. what did we have, Dorota? Like Cook Cook anamorphic lenses? Oh uh,
1: yeah, yeah, we, have cook, uh, we had Cook anamorphic lenses. Uh, they were good, but they were not consistent by the focal, focal point. So basically yeah. it was some issues later so we decided to go with different lenses after that but it was very i like, don't know kind of, we tried to make that as high quality as possible because we wanted to attract people just by the looks also not just the story but mm. that was the look was kind of my my priority as far as the film so we we rented those cooks and then we hired DP, Ryan Postas, who was also local born, but he was at the time living in working in LA, but he flew to work on this project to make it better. And then three of us, and also we had the sound, uh, Mike Berlin, and that's all our crew for the proof of concept. But yes, definitely we try to put as much effort as possible because... We did realize when we were finished with that proof of concept, when we went to New York and showed to potential investors, we had kind of um, opportunity to show that to um, major distribution people over there. And they were kind of uh, amazed by the quality. I mean, amazed, that's the kind of big word, but they were very impressed with the quality of that proof of concept. And we had a letter of intent from one of them saying that, well, yes, we are very interested in the project. So I think it's definitely worth of doing that for actual production.
0: Totally agree. I think I think where a lot of filmmakers do fall down here is they try and make a proof of concept on a really low budget. And the problem is it doesn't look how the end film's going to look, but your investors or your uh, big studio, whoever you're going to are going to look at it and go, yeah, that's the best they can do. So my advice, and probably you're the same, and it sounds exactly right, Dorota, what you're saying there is, no, no, we made sure we got the right lenses, we got the right DP, and obviously you got your brilliant cast. And you two making it, special it now becomes a proper proof of concept that you could slot in the feature film and i think that's what's important don't try and make a short or try and if it's not good enough don't show it it's because people will be put off by it but it sounds like yours was and it like say you got this letter of intent and you move forward tell us about the next step now now you're moving forward now you've got your proof of concept and you have gone and met these people this moment must have been amazing for you i can see you smiling already the fact that then suddenly someone goes yeah yeah no worries Here's some money. How did it happen? (laughs) (laughs) Not that (laughs) easily.
1: Before John tells more about it, I just want to mention, yes, that was amazing feeling because you are on the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, you're doing the project for the first time in your life, you're shooting something you never did before, basically, and you go to New York and there's serious people in the industry saying, oh, this is great potential, we really like it, there's, a proof, of con- there's a proof of concept, we really like, and there's a letter of intent, it's like the whole new world opens in front of you and you just getting more and more greedy, I would say, for the quality of the production, so uh, then I was like, oh my God. If we did with we'll do these lenses, why don't we do shoot with these the other lenses, even better lenses? Or we mm-hmm. have better light? Or we compromise? For example, I gave away my salary in order to get a better camera or lenses because that was my priority. I'm not doing the film to get paid that couple grand and go back to your, your home, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. But you're making the film, so you have to be prepared for some kind of sacrifices because you're creating art right now. This is your goal, not nothing. Else matters so that's you have to establish your priorities and the whole world is just different basically and you want to hire better people you want to hire more professional cast and you want to hire people who from out of area to who know how to do i don't know like light or proper sound everything like that so your appetite grows after that kind of moment in your life and you're just greedy, greedy, but the grit is good in this case. But, yeah, greedy in a
0: good way, because you want to go make the film. And that's so nice to hear that you went, look, I'd sacrifice whatever here. I get to make the film that we want to make. And it is, it is important, especially when you are saying it's a couple of grand. Well, if you are working somewhere else and that's your regular income, you're kind of like, well, look, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and I'll take the hit, but that means I can get this lens or this camera or that sound person yeah totally makes your film better i love that sacrifice john how was that moment for you And, and talk about how it actually did happen what was the moment when someone came forward and went yeah here you go
2: I'll just say for your listeners, so they're like, What a Dick? He let Dorota like sacrifice her salary. We we both we both gave Come, up.
1: congratulations so. for saying
0: that. <laughs> it's not true, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I nope. was just a bad. E basically saying, I'm giving away and then okay, I will do that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no but it's if you if that's what you've gotta to do to make your film the way you need it to be Great. If that helps you move forward, then you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So now you're pitching it to all these people, and what was the, what, what? What was the breakthrough
2: so we have our our proof of concept video we have Mm -hmm. our a letter of intent um from a boutique uh distributor and then yeah we put together as you said um you know kind of all the the legalese you know the 30 page documents the everything that you need that says you know your investment equals this many points Mm -hmm. and there's this many you know units or points uh, available to raise uh, what we need to make make our budget and <laughs> i mean this I'll, i will gloss over a little bit <laughs> cuz it's
0: a full on <laughs> crash course this one it's a whole podcast yes. talking about that this is right? a whole
2: I mean, a whole podcast and this is where you really um you know like our our mutual friend alex ferrari always mm. says too like the you got to be a a business person, a film entrepreneur, right? You have Mm -hmm. to, this is a different part of the brain than, than shooting a film. This is full on business and pitching. And that is a skill. And and Giles, it was, I have a spreadsheet with 200 names on it of people that I approached and 30 um, said yes. And that is how we, Got our budget.
0: Oh, congratulations. (laughs) It was a
2: year, a year and a half of hearing a lot of no's. And Mm -hmm. you probably know this yourself that when, Mm -hmm. as soon as you start talking to somebody, like you get to a point. Like you're really precious with it. At least I was, I took, I take everything like very personally. And so the first couple knows no's I was like, man, this is um, doing terrible. This is never going to work or whatever. But then you get it kind of like you kind of learn as you go and you kind of polish your pitch a little better each time. And then you start getting some yeses and then it's like, Oh, holy shit. Okay. Gosh, so and, then, <laughs> yes. and then you get to such a point where it's like, you can tell in the first minute if this person is a yes or a no. And that's kind mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm not taking offense to this. Thank you so much for your time. You know, we'll maybe in the future we'll work together and then you move on to the next person. And it's kind of like getting out of that headspace of like that it's impossible. And that, um, you just have to kind of research each person that you're pitching to, Mm -hmm. seeing what their interests are. You know, maybe if you look at their Instagram and they, you know have went to an event before and they're posing with a celebrity, then maybe be like, Hey, Mark Lucas is in this movie Mm -hmm. and you can be in this movie and you can meet Mark and, you know, be behind the scenes and stuff. That's the way maybe to approach them. Or if you see like on their Facebook page that their interests are like every horror movie and the walking dead and all these TV shows, you can be like, this is a horror movie. We're going to do practical effects. We're going to show you things that you've never seen before. It's going to be so fun. Or if they're an environmentalist and they're posting, you know, like progressive things Mm -hmm. or liberal things, you can be like, we want to save the environment too. This is a movie with a message. So you kind of got to work out your pitch for each individual person. This is a lot of work. Like Mm -hmm. you said, this is its own podcast, Um, but doing the homework uh, can pay off even if it takes a year and a half to get there.
0: Well, congratulations! And I love that little sort of explanation you, you did there, and some great advice because you know people don't know how to talk to investors or approach it. But it seems like you did so well. So, congratulations! It's an amazing achievement. It really is. Now you're making your movie on Earth. It's it's great. I really enjoyed the sort of the drama side of this. You know, the acting, the performances were fantastic, and you kind sort of took us on this journey of this slow build world. You know, uh, and then all hell breaks loose when the fracking really happens and everything goes off and you know you mentioned there about the horror side of stuff and the, the the effects that you got the prosthetics the sfx stunning you know really stunning i'm like wow okay so you must have raised quite a bit of money to get this or it was a certain people in the area that were were good were you bringing people in from outside now who weren't necessarily in indiana area how how did you go about the the, the whole sort of process of making the movie
2: I'll let's see. Yeah. This is all, all really great questions. Um,
0: sorry. I did them so, all at once. Apologies. No, no,
2: no. All, all thanks on the practical effects, which yes, was always a goal because, mm-hmm. um, Jordan and I have said, you know, time and time again, that you can have the, a Marvel movie with a $200 million budget uh-huh. and those visual effects will still, in my opinion, in, sometimes it's even just one year's time will look not necessarily great. Whereas practical is captured in camera with the real light uh, that's hitting the actors and all the objects are hitting your practical effects and what you've got in camera, you will always have because it's a real physical object. So shout out to Tolan effects who's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So about um, an hour and a half, two hours South of us. And, um, they've worked on all of the big, uh, features that have come through Pittsburgh, like the dark Knight rises. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, uh, one of the Tom Cruise action movies, Jack Reacher, um, you know, like a lot of these big films and they will occasionally, if you reach out to them far enough ahead of time and we reached out to them like a year, a full year, at least ahead of time. And we kind of got them, uh, Giles, by the same thing, when I was writing the script and I kind of bounced some ideas off of my horror friends, there's some. There's one particular image, which we won't spoil, but there's an image in the film that usually lasts with everybody that's seen the film. And I threw that to my horror friends and I threw that to Tolan effects. And I said, this scene kind of says everything that I want to say message wise in the film. And people were like oh shit, we have never seen that before. You're going to go there. Okay. (laughs) I like that challenge. Yeah. You know, things like that. And then, um, you know, really kind of basing it in the natural world, which, you know, sure. Gerota wants to jump in here and comment on, um, you know, practical effects, keeping things based in the natural world as far as we could. I think that also attracted some talent that normally would have been out of our Yes,
0: I can imagine so. When you say practical effects, my first movie, The Dare, I used as much practical effects as I could, you know, severed hands, eyeballs, worms, all that kind of stuff that going into people and it just, it, feels so much better It's skin peeling it feels but when it's practical you just believe it more even though you know it's not real but as an audience member you go yeah cool old school practical effects as soon as you cgi them you instantly go ah oh. and there's a couple of cgi moments in the day and you just go oh. i mean yeah obviously we couldn't put you know bugs in kids mouths and stuff so you do sometimes have to go there was they were all up for it but yeah you go no we can't do that and and obviously the crops you had you know not to say you had the crops were there right the crops were a big part of this movie did you have to say well we have to shoot at a certain time of year because obviously the crops won't be there or the certain height you wanted or the farmers who actually own those lands wanted not actors running around in it ruining their lovely crops how did you get all the locations? How did you work out the sort of time of year you wanted to shoot at? Because obviously things like that are a huge part of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the farms that we shot at, which uh, L- Leshefsky Farm is the real sweet corn farm that was the Dolan's location. Mm-hmm. And they were incredible. Actually, the the owners of, of both families, the Lomac family across the street too, or across the dirt road too, were Fantastic. We had two different locations and one of them we lost right before production, I'm going to say in either April or May. And Mm -hmm. we were filming in August, Mm -hmm. like the first week of August was when we started. And that was a big nervous panic because because right. we wanted to have, you know, two, two places right across from the road from each other uh, because I played into the story and having them isolated and things like that. So yeah. we ended up uh, my boss at my day job, uh, DJ Bradley said, hey, I live right. In, like my father in law has this farm um, right next door. Why don't you check it out? And they were bigger farms, more expansive more cinematic and it's kind of one of those things like you know (laughs) we were talking about before where you have to like improvise all the time sometimes it works out so that when you improvise right it's like above and beyond what you even imagined and it just makes things so much better so We were very thankful to get those farms. They they worked with us. Um, one of the farmers is an extra in the movie. He comes up to the the farm stand and buys some of his own sweet corn. <laughs> hey, um, I love yeah, that. Yeah, but these are just two two gentlemen in their What are they? they seventies, eighties. Yeah, I'll go to eight
1: pushing eighty. Yeah, pushing
2: eighty, and they are the hardest working people in the world they go out and they're picking this corn by hand all day long and selling it at their fruit stand so um you know we were able to keep that very true to real life all of those locations and and make them as real as they are all of the locations are you know we the one one of the houses you know jerota and una had uh our production team paint the walls darker but otherwise Mm. you know the holes that are in the wall in the kitchen and all of those things they are really there you know these are real um struggling grit raw Mm -hmm. situations Mm -hmm. in in pennsylvania and it comes Um,
0: across you know you do have they felt real you know i felt the actors and, and certainly your two leads there, if you call them the two leads, also ended up being producers with you, Mark Lucas and Alison McAtee. And I love that because you felt that they were part of that world, you know, and, and obviously we, we can always talk about Adrienne who yeah, who's just sensational. You know, I thought all your casts were, I thought they really were, Brooke as well, you know, Rachel, Rachel McKeon, just brilliant. Really, really just across the board, though, I didn't feel it was a weak link. I thought, like I say, I think it's a really brilliant film. I think you've both done incredibly well. Was it always, I, yeah, just for me, it's fascinating to know, was it always the moment to, to because it does change. It's kind of a bit like Dust Till Dawn, where you're going down one journey and then suddenly it goes, woof, and pulls the carpet from when you go, oh my God, everything's going on this you know and what's real what's not at this point what's hallucinating what's not was that always a sort of plan to just pull the rug a little bit to not tease us before
2: yeah always the plan was to kind of try and have our cake and eat it too really and straddle that <laughs> line of drama like because mm-hmm. to your point the first half and you know some have said critically you know all except for the last 20 minutes are firmly in the family drama, slow building dread, you know, situation. And then, yeah, it goes into horror. The way I always looked at it is, you know, if you're at ground zero of, um, a tragedy, life is normal until, it's not right until you have that event. So even though we show, you know, approximately halfway through the film, when the land is drilled, we do show that there's something underground and that there's something kind of getting into the water, just like the families don't know, you know, we kind of leave that out there and simmering and you see people, you know, start coughing and maybe start getting rashes and, and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like we, It's maybe something that on a second viewing, you know, you'll see some of the hints in there where it's like, you know, now that we've lived through a pandemic or we're still going through a pandemic, it's, you know, every cough and sneeze kind of has a different vibe right now, Mm -hmm, but it was kind of like putting things like that. Into the film early on, and have somebody say, like, oh, it must just be my allergies or whatever. Well, it's not, it's not, it's, your not. Allergies. it's already starting. Something this. else is yeah, going on.
0: <laughs> and what did you learn from, you know, from making this movie? Because it does feel like a big step up from your last movies you made, you know, and what you're going moving forward to your next film, which I really hope you make um, soon. What, what, what did you feel that, you know, it was like on set? What did you feel that, that all that experience you'd had before? Was it totally worth it? Was Did it help you in, in any ways? Dorota, let's start with you. Uh,
1: yes, definitely. The previous ex- uh, experimental projects definitely helped a lot. But this particular project was the whole new experience. And I learned so much that it's uh, you cannot even compare to pro- previous work I did. You have to learn, I learned the most that you have to think about the budget, where it goes. What's, what do you have to prioritize? I would spend less in certain departments and put maybe more in other departments. We had very limited uh, crew. We had five people working on lights and uh, gaffers and grip electric. So it was very tiny crew. We had we did not have majority of necessary equipment because we needed some lights we didn't have. So it was just a lot of limitations as far as uh, the equipment, as lightning equipment and uh, ge- something simple like generators or fog machines, everything like that was some issues with that. You have to be sure you have a backup. Otherwise, <laughs> you have to smoke cigarettes in order to have that air diffused behind you. So it's like um, yeah, I'm learning that the budget is crucial. You have to plan your budget wisely and put more money in other areas than I thought I would need and have maybe more people than I thought in certain areas when I planned to, or maybe have different kind of lightning because I know there is some smaller lights were necessary and we didn't have those. So we had, to, the, our crew had to really sweat and improvise. So yeah, that was mostly budget and then hire people who are determined and actually know their experience from the that other people who seek some kind of background um I don't want mm-hmm. to say background yep. check, but actually interview the previous employers to see if they legit, if they know what they're really doing. Because we had a situation when we, for example, hire a person who had really no experience but was uh, projecting themselves like they, they do ex- have experience. So we had to improvise yeah. and That's replace hard. them in the middle yeah. of the shooting, basically. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And other than than that, I'm really happy no one got injured because, as you know, independent uh, filmmaking, you have when you work with uh, armory like guns, or you have to jump through some kind of uh, running through Mm -hmm. the corn when it's not necessarily the safest environment to run through. (laughs) Flamethrowers,
2: we had a flamethrower on set.
1: Yeah, accidents happen, people die on the sets, like we have some famous independent movies when something got bounced <laughs> off from the running train and someone died and on the set. That's a tragedy. So I was really happy that with that kind of mm-hmm. short period of time, we had 18 days to shoot. That large script was six pages a day, I think. So we were rushing. We didn't have to, fin- we could not finish certain scenes because we had to finish the project. So we had to sacrifice some of the scenes. So it was crazy short, very limited cast and crew and the time. And so I'm just happy overall no one got hurt.
0: Yeah, no, it's so important though, isn't it? The safety of everyone, you know, at the end of the day, you are making a movie, but and and there is a high tense environment, but safety of people is is more important because if God forbid something does happen you're stopping anyway. You're not going to make them. You've finished. It's done. So actually it's you've sacrificed one shot for the sake of safety or taking that extra bit of time is really important. And I loved what you said about background check on crew. People can lie on CVs um, and just make it up and say that they've been a focus say that they've, you know, gaffered before when they've probably just assisted someone and they actually aren't experienced or they aren't experienced in budget on the full being a costume designer. And they have, you know, they've, Done bits, but not fully had to do with a cost, you know, a budget of one, and they don't know where they can get all this from, and suddenly it gets out of hand. Brilliant. Great advice. John, same to you. What did you learn on this one? What uh, advice can you give filmmakers? Uh, Daruda stole stole one <laughs> of mine. She did well. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> it was, was really good. good. <laughs> so good
2: luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just back up Daruda and say yeah, do your due diligence. I mean, you know, once you start ramping up to production, like you know, once we had Adrian on board and the dates were, you know, then like really locked, and it's kind of like all right, you don't want to lose, um, you know, some of like our, our biggest name right in mm-hmm. in the film you can overlook um kind of your the, and this is where it get com- gets complicated when you're being a director producer you know you, your brain wants to you know we want to lean into that creative side and like go full on into directing but it's like reminding yourself of that business side the producer side and not overlooking not taking your eye off The ball of due diligence with crew. Chances are if, you know, during the early meetings and pre-production meetings and stuff, if you if your spidey sense was going off that you might have an issue uh, Mm -hmm. with with someone it might be worth like really exploring and taking that bullet before you start filming instead of having to let, you know, a couple people go on day one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Love that. It's so, yeah. true, cause it's hard work on day one. There's so much other stuff going on. If you've got to let people go and then replace them. Uh, Yeah. It's tough. So actually, you're right. Do due diligence first if you can and work with people, you know, love, trust. Even when people are telling you, no, no, go higher, get that person, get that person. Actually, the people who've worked with you all the way up, they deserve that too. So, you know, and if they're good enough, you like them. Why not? Um, Great, great advice. Obviously, you shot in 2018. And just to finish off, it'd be really interesting to know why it took so long to come out. I know, reason why movies take so long to come out, totally. But it'd be really good to hear your journey of that and what happened. Obviously, 2018 happened and obviously the COVID in 2020 and now 2021. But still, it's always difficult and frustrating. So do you want to touch (laughs) on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it kind of covers some of the stuff we've we've talked about with budgeting and, you know, Dorota and I were talking to a fabulous editor that was like our dream to have this editor on the film. Um, and then once we got down to, you know, them coming out for, I forget how long they were going to come out, Dorota, for like a week, like a crash course week to try and edit the film because wow. that was all <laughs> we could afford in their, wow. you know, their budget. Um, and kind of discovering, yeah, that that's not gonna, that's not possible. It's <laughs> just yeah. not gonna be possible, yeah. um, you know. So, Dero and I ended up having to edit ourselves, which was not our original plan. Dero, you want to jump in? <laughs> jump in on any of that?
1: Uh, right Yeah. I, you know, editing is a totally different skill, and uh, you learn. Uh, at, in school, the rules and the tricks, and you know, editor can rewrite the script because it has fresh eye and brilliant ideas how to make the best out of those takes you have. So, I was really hoping we can get editor to make it movie it to the next level because you know, footage is the footage, but the skilled person can put it something really awesome from from uh, even better than we imagine and different uh, change the story and adjust and so I was really hoping we can have editor but it did not work out with not, not with our budget it's unfortunately it was um, out of our budget so we did edit ourselves John was behind the steering wheel I was sitting next and uh, just as John you did say I was directing kind of thing the, the so move process. that.
0: Press that button. Why is that yeah. green box next to that one? Yeah, yeah. But you both edited before, so it wasn't like this is new, new. But still, editing a feature film with all that footage is hard. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a lot of a lot of footage. A lot of. Um Gigabytes of footage and you have the sound and you have the different takes, It's totally different pressure when you have uh, that kind of project and you have people above you waiting for this to be done. Mm-hmm. basically. And yeah, that was a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stressful time because you know I, I do realize we did not film everything I wanted to film. We had to compromise and we had to cut the scenes, some of the scenes because we were running out of time. So it's like, we don't have that luxury as some David Fincher has this 70 takes of one, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing and I can choose and pick for, you know, just perfect shots. So yeah, it was tough to make the best from out of this, what we, what you have.
2: Yeah. Then it kind of became, we had a schedule when we had an editor, but then once it became, once Dorota and I got over that really like it's kind of like a depression Mm -hmm. because it's like you're handing it off to an expert and you're in good hands right sure and you're looking forward to kind of (laughs) taking a little back seat for a change Mm -hmm. and then once you you know mentally learn like ah shit like we're gonna to have to edit this now. That um, takes a while to get into the headspace of yeah. okay, damn, I am editing this thing mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and so then we then it was like we're gonna take as long as we need to, and because as Dorota said, we we didn't you know get all of our dream shots, and we had to cut some scenes and stuff like that. So really, it was like. You know, let's take as much time as we can and make it as good as we can. And this also played into, I think, the benefit of having more time for sound and the score and the the visual effects that are in the film because there are some um enhancement visual effects and some other things that you wouldn't even notice um but to make the farms uh film feel more isolated like we removed houses out of the backgrounds of shots and stuff like that Um, things you wouldn't even know But then like the score, like to give Jane Saunders more time to do her original score, which actually incorporates, um, sounds from the earth and sounds of industry into her instrumentation and to give Chris Bell more time on the sound design, Mm -hmm. kind of what we were talking about before of like, if you can do great on the sound and on the music, that's like half the battle right there. It did kind of in a way, um, Maybe allow us to have better a better sound situation in the film than we would have, um, you know, if we were rushing towards like festivals in 2020 kind of a thing, or in 2019. Sorry.
1: Right. So we don't have unlimited time to edit. We ha- still had some deadlines to to go.
0: Mm, but still, now it's not as rushed, which is it's it Sometimes, God, I I don't want to edit my. I would really not interested in suddenly going. Oh gosh, here's all the drives start the edit process. I just, I feel for you because once you've edited it, you kind of want someone else to lead that and you then come in and shape it with them. So I don't know how you got through it, but well done for doing it. And and then you got, did you go back to the same distribution company who'd given you that letter of intent? Or were you now in a position to go, hey, we can go wherever we want. We've got a great movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we did not. Um, <laughs>
2: but it, it was kind of like once we got into Fantasia, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. genre festival. It's like the biggest genre festival in North America. That was kind of like, um, you know, kind of again, going back to the Kickstarter situation. It was like, oh, wow, we've made it into this really fantastic film festival okay, let's see maybe what, what doors can open now. Um, mm-hmm. and we got our international sales agent, real suspects, um, right after our first screen or was it before our first screening? I can't remember now, but yeah, things again started falling into place. And then of course, then you have the situation where you're making all these awesome global film festivals and damn it, you can't go cause there's a pandemic, <laughs>
0: you know, it's yeah. like, yeah,
2: then you have all those challenges. Um, but yeah, it's, um it's been interesting and we've had some really good partners with our sales agents and our distributors thus far they allowed us uh, giles to hold on uh, in the states to our theatrical because no one was going to do mm. a theatrical um yeah
0: so therefore give know, us in, the rights and you April. can <laughs> do little screenings yourself absolutely yeah, so important to hold on to those rights actually yeah they're not going to put it out so we premiered in los angeles we
2: were the first nice. film at lemley theaters uh, the historic lemley theaters to sell out post pandemic wow, wow, wow. we had somebody uh during during that scene we talked about that uh, ran out of the theater and vomited on the theater wall oh uh, my Charles, gosh. which
0: is oh. a fantastic story it's a, a fantastic premiere. story
2: i <laughs> mean so yeah it's been a long a long eight-year journey very interesting we've learned a, a hell of a lot
0: <laughs> yeah no, we have, and congratulations! You know, it's really great. The film's out now. On Earth. do go see it. Is it's out in America? It's definitely out in the UK. What are mm-hmm. territories have you got at the moment?
2: Yeah, it's on its Signature Entertainment, which is fantastic Woo-hoo! in which the is,
0: UK. Which is uh, they just well, they uh, they're my company. They made Arthur and Merlin with me, and we're just on congrats. War. The War film was with Signature, so congrats. yeah, yeah, and no, they're fantastic. So yeah, they congrats seem great. to you. Yeah.
2: Um, Fr- yeah, France. Um, let's see, Germany, France, U.S. and Canada. Am I missing? Ireland, um, Ireland. Yeah, because UK. Yeah, and they're still they're still working on it. So we actually just played in the Biffan Festival in South Korea. So we're still actually in festivals. It's been over a year, and um, yeah, hopefully uh, more more countries to come and more places can see it.
0: Amazing. Listen, congratulations and earth is amazing. You deserve a huge round of applause and uh, everyone should go see this movie and support indie film because it's, it's great. And you guys, it's a lovely story as well. You've done well and I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Huge congrats. Well done.
2: Thank you for your time and what you do on the podcast It is uh, priceless. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you on the socials? Yeah, we've, unearthmovie.com is the main site and then our handles for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are unearthmovie, except for, um, which one is unearth the movie? Twitter is unearth the movie, otherwise we're unearthmovie everywhere.
0: Amazing. Uh, it's so good. So go, go follow, go tweet the guys as well. Um, I take it your Twitter handles are on Unearth earth movie.
2: Yes. Yeah, we are. Um, your yeah, John C. Lions production and Lions Den Productions. Lions Den Productions. Yeah. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. And it's Swiss. Uh, do you pronounce it sw- Swiss or Swies? just uh,
1: well, uh, normally I would say but.
0: but uh, Wow. The road Dorota Schwans. Nice. But no, normally you'd say that, but then is there an alternate?
1: <laughs> but I have... Uh, <laughs> I, I forgive a lot when... Yeah. It's okay. It's I, I react. I'll look away if you say swiss.
0: Swiss. But swiss is best. Great. That's perfect. No, thank you. Um Remember, you can go out there and make your indie film just as John and Dorota have done. You can go out and do it. Look at that. You can raise money on a Kickstarter. You can make a proof of concept. You can go out there and then raise more finance, learn how to do it, learn the business side of it and go make your film and get it released out into the world. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down Uh, we will see you next Tuesday as always you can follow me at Giles Alderson you can follow the podcast at Filmmakers Pod do go on there and do thank all our guests for coming on and talking and if you do like this tell all your friends that's how we grow and that's why we keep doing this to help you again John thank you so much for your time really appreciate it thank you so much Dorota thank you thank you great we'll see you all next Tuesday take care stay well and go do something right now this second to go make your film happen i can't hear you doing it go do it do it now <laughs> see you next tuesday take care everyone bye